Hello, hello, hello. We're joined today with... Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's you. <laughs> Yana, so tell us a little bit about you, Yana. Who are you? And yeah, you. <laughs> who are you? <laughs> I don't know. Who am I? That's the age-old question. Honestly. <laughs> question. Um, I am your friend. We have been friends since freshman year of high school when Long you time. took pity on Wallflower Me, <laughs> and I have kind of let that go, we're, we're kind of cool now, it's fine, I'm over it, it's no big deal. Um, aside from that, I am currently a grad student, I'm getting my master's in social work, and I am interning as a social worker at this amazing agency working with kids. Nice. So, social work, that's cool. What got you into social work or wanting to pursue social work? Yeah, that's a great question. I started in undergrad. I got my bachelor's in child development and I minored in psychology. And even before that, when I was in high school, I knew I wanted to work with kids. I knew I wanted to help kids. And I kind of bounced around ideas of what specifically I wanted to do in that field. So I studied child development in every single one of my classes. When we were able to pick a topic to research or write about, I found myself drawn to foster care and specifically all of the issues going on in foster care, all of the ways the kids are being disproportionately mistreated in foster care. And that got me thinking, well, I need to do something about it. I can't just let the system exist as it does. That's not okay. I need to fix it. And then I tried to look into what I could do to fix it. And so I found social work. And when I went into social work, the idea was that I would work directly in foster care. So I wanted to do case management in foster care, going inside the homes, potentially working with CPS. Wasn't entirely sure, but I knew that was the demographic of kids that I wanted to help. Mm-hmm. And as I got further into my studies, I had really fallen in love with the clinical side of it, which is the actual doing therapy and providing therapy. And I just thought that was so important and such a great way to reach people who can't be reached otherwise. My agency, we work directly with the agency I'm interning at. We work directly with pediatric offices who serve almost entirely kids on Medi-Cal and we provide therapeutic services to them. So that being individual and family therapy, group therapy, or even case management, linking them to resources and referring them outward. And I realized that there were so many kids who, because of their health insurance or lack thereof, were not being served and their needs weren't being met. And so I love that we work with Medi-Cal and with kids who don't have insurance and we provide no cost therapy to them. That's where I'm at right now. I have almost a year left of my master's program, and then the goal is to get my license and go in and have a practice. How has your grad school experience been so far? Honestly, I know this sounds cheesy, but it's been amazing. Um, I'm really grateful for it. 
I meant to go into grad school right after graduating undergrad. I graduated in May of 2018 and had gotten into grad school for September 2018. And so it was meant to be just one after the other, boom, boom, boom. And life happens, right? So I had just moved. I had just gotten a new job and I realized that I would not be able to start grad school as well with everything going on. So I ended up deferring for a semester, which my school was more than accommodating with. I was in contact with advisors and counselors throughout the entire thing through the transition and they were just super great about it. I did two semesters and then took a year leave of absence to go live in Israel and work there. And again, my school was so chill about it. They were more than accommodating. While I was in Israel, they were giving me calls, checking in, making sure that everything was fine and good for me to return. And I have recently returned. It's been a great system overall. I've also been very fortunate. I wanted to go to an online school. I wanted to do school online. And so now I say, like, we were doing Zoom before it was cool. Yeah. And so fortunately, with COVID, that didn't affect my school environment studies at all in any way. I was able to just pick up exactly as I had left off, which made things a lot easier. And overall, it's just, it's been a great experience. So there are a lot of transitions uh, that, that you've mentioned, you know. Um, I take it, you know, that that could have been stressful. Was it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I didn't even realize that was a question. I thought that was just a observation. It uh, was stressful. How did you cope? You know, w- were there things that you were doing to to cope with the stress? Yeah, so I tend to live my life in this lovely pattern. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, it's go, go, go and then burn out and can't go no more. And then tell myself, I'll never get myself to that point again. And then repeat. So that's something I've been working on and working on breaking. Um, At first, some of those transitions, it was, you know, getting into my car and just screaming sometimes when things are stressful or talking to friends and like reaching out to people in my life. Um, Then, about a year and a half ago, I got really into journaling. And that nice. was my saving grace for a while. I started coloring, adult coloring books. If anyone hasn't gotten into them yet, they're one of the best things that have ever been created. I love them so much. Um, and then when I got back from Israel, I had finally done what I had been meaning to do for years and just have not had the means or ability to. And that's I started therapy, which mm-hmm. has just been the best change in my life. Hmm. Do you want to elaborate on that? Why has that been something that has been really impactful in your life? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first I would be remiss to, as a mental health, soon to be professional myself, <laughs> mm-hmm. to not acknowledge the importance of therapy and mental health care. I think as someone who provides mental health care, you need to receive your own mental health care because there's no other way to deal with all of the stuff that you're working at at work with all of the trauma and issues going on with your clients to not be able to be in a good mindset and process all of that in a safe space you would be doing not only yourself but also your clients a disservice but aside from that 
I've had my own traumas growing up and traumas that have been affecting my life, my entire life, but I haven't really known why. And that's not something that I was able to process because I never had a person that I could turn to and be open enough with about all of that stuff to really go through and recognize some of those patterns. Yeah. And it's something that I had wanted to do forever. Lindsay, you know, from high school, I talked about therapy and how great therapy would be. Yeah, you've been wishing for that, and I was always telling you to go. You were like, "I don't have the means for it," but then you, you made the means for it. It just life worked out in a way I wasn't able to because my parents, who are the reason I need therapy, they don't believe in mental health care, Mm. and while I was on their insurance, there was nothing I could really do. Then got out of high school, was in college, still couldn't because I was on their insurance and I didn't have the money. And then I was ready to. And then I got into this program in Israel. And one of the things to get in was a mental health screening. And they had said that if you had ever been seen by a mental health professional or had been diagnosed, it won't, in quotes, impact your acceptance, but it might. And so that's when I had resolve that you know what I want to go into this program I want to do this so that means I have to push off therapy for just a little bit longer so I did I came back from Israel at the beginning of November the beginning of December I had started therapy and that was very much something that was in my head for a long time of I need to get this started I need to do this and the only thing stopping me was money And it got to the point where I had said, okay, well, insurance situations have changed. I don't have money, but this is a priority and I'm going to make it work. So I went on Psychology Today, which is where anyone should go to find therapists. They're all there. It's great. It's an amazing resource that we're all blessed to have access to. True that, true that. And I started looking for therapists that met my needs. And when I realized none of them were going to accept my insurance, I kind of gave up on that and just looked for the best therapist that would fit me. I vetted a whole bunch. I found one that I really thought I would click with. And I sent her an email, just a low-stakes email of, hi, she was also a social worker, which is one of the reasons I chose it. Uh, I chose her. I'm biased. Uh For sure. (laughs) Um, And I had just sent her an email being like, hi, I'm an MSW grad student. Um, I'm looking for therapy. You seem to meet, like, everything I need. These are what I need help with. Do you accept my insurance? And I believe it's no. So if not, do you have a sliding scale? I don't have a lot of money, but this is something that I need for myself. And she was really great. She responded to me very quickly. We had a phone consultation. We discussed what I was looking for, how she'd be able to help me. And when it came to money, she offered me a very generous sliding scale opportunity that would allow me to prioritize mental health in a way that we both knew was important. And so it was just life working out, all of the pieces finally being together for me to be able to take those steps. Interesting. So would you say that that you, in a way like ended up prioritizing yourself more so within these last couple of years? Yes, definitely. What do you think changed to make that happen? Yeah, 
I mean, probably within the last year, year and a half even. And it was just me getting to a point where I recognized that I was falling into the same patterns that I had been. And what I had been doing obviously wasn't helping because I was back to square one. Same issues in relationships, same issues in friendships, same issues in just about every aspect of my life. And I realized that nothing I had been doing to help myself was working enough. And it was something that I needed to prioritize and not just say, okay, well, I've tried what I can and we're going to deal. And it got to a point where I was, I was in a really bad place. I was in Israel. I was on the other side of the world from everyone I knew. I was in a country where I didn't speak the language and I was on a program of 28 people who all hated each other. And it was an environment that was just so toxic that half of them dropped out during the year that we were supposed to be there. And the ones who didn't drop out had isolated themselves, had divided themselves. There were people who lived in the same apartments and would not speak to each other. There was drama every single day. And while we all hated each other, we were also all that each other had because we were all in an unfamiliar country where we didn't speak the language and didn't know anyone except each other. And so it was at that point where I had realized, you know, I have to, I have to make this work because I don't have another option. But I'm also so unhappy with the people that I'm in or with the people that I'm with and something needs to change. And if I can't be happy here, I need to figure out what's going to make me happy. And then I was fortunate enough to do this women's retreat called Go Girl right at the end of my program, still in Israel, which was a week long. And it was 10 women about my age and led by these two incredible women who had been leading this retreat for years in the past. And I had gone in, you know, thinking I'm going to get whatever I can get out of this. It'll be fun. I'll make some new friends, have some cool adventures, whatever. And then during one of those days, one of the facilitators had asked if we had wanted to do one-on-one sessions. She's the funnest, friendliest person out there, you know, in groups. She's the life of the party. And so I said, sure, it's probably going to be, you know, a superficial session. We're going to talk about how great the weather is, how fun everything is, how much fun I'm having. And within two minutes of us sitting down, she looked at me and she said, tell me about your parents. And I thought in a way that I had not done in a while. And I don't know, to this day, I've spoken to her many times about it to this day. Neither of us knows why that was the question that she felt so compelled to ask. But it was a question that was just asked at the right point in my life, where I had gotten to this point where everything was boiling over and I realized it was not okay. And we spoke for two hours. And I cried for those two hours and I opened myself up in a way that I had never done before. And it ended up being one of the healthiest decisions I have ever made in my life and one of the best choices I've made. And I'm so happy for that. And with that, I ended up becoming really good friends with her. We ended up having weekly talk sessions. She's not a therapist. She's not a licensed therapist. She has a master's in education. But she is one of the most empathetic people yeah. in this universe and just got me to that point 
where I was able to open up and realize just how not okay I was and just how much I needed to get help to get to a place of being okay. Damn. That's a good answer. I don't I don't know what to say. <laughs> you caught me off guard. Huh. Thank you. Yeah. I did not expect to go there. since we're on the topic of you know self-care and the changes that you've made within your life to to self-care and be better for yourself you know what's what would you say is like the highest version of yana highest version of yana she's in therapy she will always be in therapy and this is something else that i just I cannot stress enough. Therapy is not just for when you're in a crisis. Therapy is for maintenance. Therapy is for checking in. Therapy is for making sure that you are taking the proactive steps to not be in a crisis. And so when people say, you know, I did therapy for a couple months and now I'm all cured and I never need to do that again, that might that might be that person's truth and that might genuinely be what works for them. But for me, I believe that therapy is a lifelong process and maybe in who knows how long, once I've processed a lot of the trauma that I'm still processing now, therapy won't need to be an every week thing. It might be an every month thing, but I think the highest version of me always ever will be in therapy of some sort. I think the highest version of me is not only surviving but thriving mm-hmm. and that's in life that's I love that. in school that's at work that's in friendships and everything that I'm doing and I think something I've really come to realize is the highest version of me has boundaries and the highest version of me does not take shit from people who don't deserve to be in my life and does not take shit from things that are not good for me I have Marie kondo my life in the past year <laughs> Right, really, not so much with clothes. I'm bad about that. But with people, when quarantine started, I went through mentally and did an inventory of the people I had in my life and realized, you know, I'm in quarantine and I have no excuse not to talk to people. I want to make sure that the people that I am talking to are adding something to my life. And that meant taking a lot of people out of my life. And some of those people probably don't understand why. I take them out. Some of them don't, in my opinion, don't deserve that explanation. But for me, that was a boundary that I needed to set. And I'm continuing to work on setting. I love that. That's that's very, and I've known you for a long time, you know, and to have watched your growth. I know this podcast, honestly, won't won't be able to um, fully go over, like, the depth of, like, growth that that you've gone through. You know, what would you say to those people, to, to the people out there who are listening, you know, who kind of, so like, you know how therapy has like a stigma, right? Yeah. Like going to therapy has a stigma that you have to have like certain problems if you're going to therapy or that it's kind of like looked down upon. What would you say to people who, who kind of want to go to therapy, but they're also kind of scared to be stigmatized for going and shamed for going yeah that's a 
That's a great question. And I think it's something that I tell myself almost every day. And I know I've told you in the past as well, Lindsay. But who do you live this life for? That's my mantra. Of, I live oh, this love life it. for me. So deep. Uh-huh. I don't live the- <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't live this life for everyone else. And if I am consistently making myself miserable to make other people happy, then when I die, what am I going to look back and say? Exactly. Okay, mm-hmm. well, all of these people who aren't even in my life anymore, they're happy because I made them happy. But here I am wishing that I had done all of this and having all of these regrets. So I think really, really living your life for yourself. And if you're in a situation where there are people you have to be around, people who you know are toxic, but you can't escape them, whether they're family or roommates or coworkers or friends that you just can't shake for whatever reason, if they are adding negativity to your life, you don't have to tell them that you're in therapy. That is absolutely your story and your truth to own. I tell every single stranger that I meet at the grocery store that I'm in therapy because that's something (laughs) that's important to me and I'm proud of. And I personally don't have that stigma, but I know that that's not everyone's truth. And so I think do what works for you. Try it. Take care of yourself. But if you're in a point where that's not safe, you don't have to. Don't do it for me, right? Don't do it for someone you don't know. Do it for you. I love your answers as always. Honestly, I kind of feel like you and I are kind of like this optimistic, you know, (laughs) but we really not like this all the time. But, you know, I mean, I feel like this is the gist of our conversations, right? They're very uplifting and optimistic. Hopeful, I think. Not optimistic, but hopeful in a way. And, um... I do want to end this off because you know we're getting to the thirty-minute mark, and that's that's as much as the as this uh, this platform will let me record at a time. But um, I got one last question for you. What's one little thing in your life that amounts to something significant to you? One little thing or one like a device? So I I have a lot of difficulty with these questions i am not good at thinking in the abstract and so when i'm asked to give almost a humanistic quality right to something that isn't that is very difficult for me and generally that's a source of anxiety because i'm a perfectionist (laughs) and so when i can't answer something correctly i get very hard on myself um But I think that's also important to acknowledge, and especially here, that I don't have an answer. I don't know. I might think about it. Maybe in a couple days, I'll be able to come up with something. But at the moment, I think there are so many little things in my life that I'm not aware of, but they all add up to make me, right? I'm I'm the sum of my parts. Yes. So who knows what those parts are? (laughs) Thank you for asking, Lindsay. This will taught me in my nightmares for the next couple nights. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Not oh, what I'm we want. <laughs> and I think that's I really like your answer because you know I there isn't a right answer, you know, and I feel like I'm hoping that the people that I interview after you don't feel like there has to be 
a specific answer that you have to give. It's whatever answer that speaks to you that is your truth, you know. And I think that's what I'm trying to capture here is the truth that you have. And if your truth is that you can't answer this question and, you know, that, that's that's perfect. Because there's no right path, right? There's no one way that life or that people should be or be thinking, you know. We don't need to define ourselves like that. Absolutely. And I recognize that if I was trying to figure out an answer just to please you, then I wouldn't be living my life for me. Exactly. I would automatically change it to living for you. So as much as I love you, and I do, <laughs> I have to I have to pick me. <laughs> and that's 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 perfect. That's right. That's right for you, that's right for me, that's right for everybody. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I, I think this was this was good. This is good. I feel like you and I will definitely I feel like um you're somebody that I would want to interview again because I feel like there's a lot of stuff and lots of advice and inf- like information that you could like give out and and I feel like your story uh, you know, it has. There's a lot. There's a lot to it, and I feel like <laughs> that's hard because everybody's story has a lot, you know. And uh, but I'd like to hear more about your story. <laughs> I don't know how to end this. <sighs> thank you, thank you so much for having me. I would love to come back and share more, and hopefully not sob my eyes out. We'll see. <laughs> Why did you sob your eyes out now? I mean, I might. I just spared my soul. <laughs> So, who knows how many strangers? Six. There's six. So six strangers. You know what? By the time that this is uploaded, there will be more. I will bring you <laughs> listeners. Oh. Oh. Thank you again for um for coming on. I appreciate you and your honesty and your vulnerability. You know, I think it takes it takes a lot of strength and courage to to go and share your story. So it means a lot to me. You're one of the little things that add up to my life, Yana. <laughs> well, thank you. It meant a lot that you chose me to be here. Alrighty, well, this has been an- another episode with Lindsay Ann, the little things with Lindsay Ann, and um, we'll see you again when we do. Say bye, Yana. Bye.